If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins unto God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. But for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man delivered me. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompass me, the pangs of Sheol they call on me. I suffer distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to Praise. 
comfort and defend us, gracious Lord. Almighty God, by your great goodness, mercifully look upon your people that we may be governed and preserved evermore in body and soul through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Scripture readings for this, the fifth Sunday in Lent, 
the Old Testament reading from the 31st chapter of the prophet Jeremiah. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, come, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The Epistle Lesson from the fifth chapter of Hebrews, verses 1 through 10. Every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. And so also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, o Lord. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand, and one at your left in your glory. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. 
Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized, but to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John, and Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text today is from the Gospel, reading these words recorded by Mark. Jesus said, But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is our text, dear friends, in our Lord. In the historical fiction novel From Dark to Dawn, a novel known by many of you as our women's reading group recently undertook the read, the author of the book, Elizabeth Charles Rundle, tells the story of a young German girl named Elsa Kata and her 16th century family Kata that lives in the town of Eisenach. Now if the name Kata sounds vaguely familiar to you, it may be because there really was a family Kata fellow townsfolk and special friends of a young German schoolboy named Martin Luther. The author uses the charming members of this factual family to tell a delightfully descriptive yet semi-fictional account of of the life of Martin Luther through the eyes of friends. Well, at one point in the novel, little Elsa very innocently ponders greatness, greatness in the kingdom of heaven, and she wonders aloud, Will everyone in heaven always be struggling for high places? Because when everyone does that at church on the great festival days, it's not at all pleasant. Those who succeed look proud. Those who fail look cross, she considers. But of course, she says, no one will be cross in heaven nor proud. Well, then how will the saints feel who do not get the high places? Will they be pleased or disappointed? If they are pleased, she notes, Well, what's the use in struggling so much to climb a little higher? But if they're not pleased, would that be saint-like? Little Elsa hits the nail right on the head, doesn't she? Little Elsa, not knowing exactly what she's saying, she's describing us rather well. Whether the higher places in heaven or the better positions in the mundane things here below, great is not great so often until it's greater. The good things are not as good until they're better. You see, we have that natural propensity to be the kings. Kings of our own hill, of our own castle, of the sandbox. That No matter what stage in life, every age of life, we tend to compare ourselves with the Joneses. We keep up with the Joneses so that one day perhaps we can outdo the Joneses because at the end of the day, down deep, that's what we long for naturally inborn in us greatness, at least being greater than another. And if you think it can't happen in the church and among God's people, then just note the text for today. Listen to James and John. They certainly had greatness on the mind. And as we saw in the gospel reading, it didn't much please the other ten that these two, James and John, made an end around to seek from the Lord greatness, positions of greatness, Positions of glory. But you know what's perhaps more amazing about the request that James and John made of our Lord? That one should sit at the right hand, one at the left hand of power. Was perhaps, what's perhaps more blatantly bold is that just a chapter earlier in the book of Mark, the disciples were caught arguing among themselves about the very same thing, greatness. Sounding much like school children, just a, a chapter before as they... The disciples walked down the road, sounding much like school children on the playground. The Lord's elect twelve argued among themselves. Argued over who was the greatest in the kingdom. 
This same group of men who would define words like martyr and apostle and evangelist, the same men who'd be given to pen the very words of Scripture, the words that would generate ages of Christian men and women and then attend these men and women through great peril and tribulation, these men, these men whom history would record as heroes of the faith, these men, like children, were busy arguing about who was the greatest. Still, though, in the church and of those of the church, it's a problem. As we among ourselves consider who is the greatest, still in the church we waste time considering first and worst, best and the rest. Greater, often political majorities and lesser minorities factor into ecclesial decision-making far more than what ought to be. Our chief concerns and overall compulsion, that being the preservation of the doctrine, of the faith, and love. There's certainly, though, nothing new under the sun. Wasn't it pride? Wasn't it ambition to be greater than he was fashioned or appointed to be? That caused the son of the morning, Lucifer, to fall like lightning from heaven? Wasn't this same desire the tempting tool in the devil's hand when he led Adam and his wife into pride's reward. And so for everyone born thereafter, the lust for greatness is something born and bred. Remember those two twin boys in their mother's womb, Esau and Jacob. Scripture tells us that even within her womb, they were contending with one another for greatness. Jacob was still, rather was even delivered from the womb shortly after his brother, still, still grasping little Esau's heel. And you well know that it's our natural inclination too. Contending for what we see as greatness, we're always finding little ways to gain advantages over others. Especially if we find ourselves living in the shadow of another. It happens, doesn't it, in the workplace? Especially in these economically challenging times. Perhaps, perhaps we never seem to bask in the rays of the employer's praise over a job well done because it seems someone else is always soaking up that sun at school perhaps in the academics or on the theater stage or on the track on the soccer field basketball court perhaps there's always someone who outshines you or at home maybe you're eclipsed by the greatness of siblings present or or perhaps the achievements of parents in the past And our sinful nature is not content living in the shadows of others. The perceived greatness of others, it bothers us. Truth is, though, that if any one of us were this very minute to begin to consider our own innate, inborn greatness, then I tell you we'd already be done. Why? Because there's not much to consider. The 17th century theologian Johann Gerhard, he exhorts us in this way, and he says, Consider, O faithful soul, the lowly condition of man, and thou wilt the more easily avoid all temptation to pride. He says he enters the world a helpless infant. His passage through it is attended with constant miseries, and he leaves it in tears. And he says it well. He says it well, of ourselves we're not even qualified to discuss greatness because genuine greatness, we have none. It doesn't stop us though 
doesn't stop even us, our Lord's disciples, from measuring ourselves, not necessarily satisfied always with the, the particular station of greatness that we've been appointed in life. doesn't stop us from measuring ourselves, from ever reaching upward, always upward, for greater greatness, grabbing for the heel of another in the hopes of supplanting him. Of course, like James and John and those disciples on the road, whose scripture tells us when our Lord asked them what they were discussing, they were too embarrassed even to confess what they had been talking about. But like James and John and the disciples, we wouldn't want to be caught talking about it or even thinking about it. But God, he knows that we do. The question, though, is what what does Christ think of it? What What does Christ say of it? Well, this is what he says of it. You heard him say it in the text today, in the gospel reading. He says, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Now to us, that makes as little sense as seeing the high point of Jesus' earthly life in the crucifixion, in the low point of his death upon the cross. But such is greatness with God. Such is greatness with Christ. For he himself said of himself, the Son of Man, indeed, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's what our Lord thinks of greatness. It's not the self-placed greatness to be found on the pinnacles of the highest mountaintops. But Christ-like greatness found in all the low-lying, so often in those low-lying places and the deep valleys where the beams of praise and applause don't much shine. But recall what Christ says. He says, take my, take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. That's Christ, humble in heart. And so that's why Paul exhorts us the way that he does. In the words that he does, words that we're going to hear next week, the epistle reading for Palm Sunday. This is what Paul says. He says, Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the very form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in the likeness of man, and being found in appearance as a man. Paul writes, He humbled himself. And became obedient to the point of death, even death upon the cross. And that, friends, is true greatness. And for us, it's the perfect example of divine greatness. But you yourself know well that a mere example cannot save us. A mere example cannot save us. A mere example cannot be for us a lutron. A lutron in the Greek, ransom. The ransom for many, as Christ said. Because that's exactly what we needed. A lutron, it's, it's the word that Mark used in quoting Jesus in today's gospel text, lutron. It's a word that means the price paid to effect the release of one who's held in some kind of bondage. Lutron. It's payment for release from guilt and from penalty, ransom. It's how it's rendered lutron. You see, it took Christ serving not as a mere example for us, but indeed as the lutron, the one and only lutron, the ransom. Humbling himself, taking 
our sins of pride and every other kind, taking them to the cross, taking them down with him to the grave so that they could never stand, even our greatest sins, so they could never stand against us or take us down where they belong. And because of it, we're rich, friends, with heaven's present spiritual blessings. And we're rich with heaven's future greatness. All because he set it all aside to humble himself and bend low in servant posture. Love. Love, you see, serves. Love of self is self-serving. But you consider Christ's love. As we sang in that beautiful Lenten hymn just a minute ago, you see, it was in love to the loveless shown that they too might lovely be. In that kind of love that the divine became flesh with no other intention and with no ulterior motive but to serve us. Greater love... Greater love hath no one than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And Christ said, and you are my friends. And what else can we call that but divine service? But that's what we call this here too, isn't it? Of course, that's what we call this here today. As we're gathered, we call it divine service. Divine service, not because our presence here. And our praise somehow make it divine. It's just the opposite. But because in humble word and under the humble and servant forms of bread and wine and water and word, the divine one, Jesus Christ, still bends low to serve us time and time and time again with the sin-forgiving fruits of his cross. Someone has said the more fruit on a tree, the more fruit on its branches, the lower that those branches hang. So bountiful are the branches of Christ's humble and holy cross, the blessed tree of the cross, that there is no one so low that that cannot be served. There's no one so low that cannot be served by the low-hanging branches of the forgiving fruit of the cross. Which way then, you ask to true greatness, that was the, the question, that was the The thought on the mind of James and John, God greatness is in the service, in service in the humble and in the deep, deep in the night when an unassuming mother rather rather ordinarily and routinely serves the needs of her, her needy infant. It's when a neighbor to the praise and glory of no one takes one more look around to to make sure his neighbor's property is safe and secure. Greatness when by your thoughts and words and deeds like John the Baptist said, when greatness, when anything that you think, say, or do, is said or done or thought to the tune of he must increase and I must decrease. It's what you might call faces of coal greatness. Because it was during World War II that England needed to increase its coal production. So Winston Churchill, Prime Minister, called together labor leaders to enlist their support. And at the presentation... The end of his presentation, he asked them to picture in their minds a parade which he knew would be held in Piccadilly Circus after the war. And he said to them, first, he said, would come the sailors who kept the sea lanes 
open. The vital sea lanes open. Then would come the soldiers who had come home from Dunkirk and then had gone on to defeat Rommel in Africa. And then would come the pilots. He said, who had driven the, the Nazi Luftwaffe from the sky. And lastly, he said, and prominently of all, would come the long line of sweat-stained and soot-streaked men in miners' caps. And someone, he said, would cry from the crowd, and, and where were you during the critical days of our struggle? And then Churchill said, and from 10,000 throats would come the answer, we were deep in the earth with our faces to the coal. You see, though, friends, there's no need to argue over who has more coal on his face. Because that will always and ever be Jesus Christ. As we tread now toward the deepest days of Lent, God keep our eyes fixed as the gradual of the season goes on Christ Jesus. To keep us mindful of his service to us, service once upon a cross, And now service that he faithfully renders to us here week after week in his word and sacrament. God so grant it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
of the eternal High Priest Jesus Christ would never falter, but that through her word and sacraments you would sustain her in the faith unto life everlasting. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For pastors throughout the church that each would be faithful to your calling, preaching and teaching your word and administering your sacraments. For your people, that they may faithfully receive your means of grace and rejoice in sin forgiven and in iniquities remembered no more. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For our nation and all those who lead it, including our president and Congress and courts, the governor and legislatures of our state, our local officials, that through them you would work to preserve justice and peace and harmony among us, so that the law abiding may live securely and the gospel of Christ may have free course to be confessed and proclaimed throughout our land. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the men and women serving in our armed forces, that you would be their strength and refuge in time of battle, that you would grant them your protection from all harm and danger, and that you would accomplish through them all that you desire to be done as you work your good will for all the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For our families, for husbands and wives, that you would, as their God and refuge, lead them to love and honor each other, for parents, that they would diligently nurture the baptismal faith of their children. For those carrying unborn children in their wombs, that mother and child may be protected from harm and danger. For grandparents and the elderly, that they would be honored among us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those who bear the crosses of sickness, disease, or chronic illness, especially Margaret Schuster, Don James, Dick Much, Hugh Ryan, Cleota Woolman, Glenn Miller, for those recovering from surgery, Hank Harrington and Phyllis Thompson, also Lois Pearson, for those who grieve the death of loved ones, especially Ellie Morganhagen and her family at the death of her husband, Martin, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the lonely, that they may seek friendship through service to others, for the unemployed and the financially insecure, that they would be provided with the basic necessities of life, for all who travel, that your angels would protect them. For all who suffer from natural disasters, that they may receive the speedy and ready aid of community and government. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all who come to the Lord's table this day, that you would be in this holy sacrament for our good and blessing, as you forgive our sins and strengthen our faith and prepare us in body and soul for the future glory of heaven. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. 
These and all petitions we ask, O Heavenly Father, gratefully remembering your tender mercies and fixing our eyes upon Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and has now sat down at the right hand of your throne in glory, reigning with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you holy lord almighty father everlasting god through jesus christ our lord who overcame the assaults of the devil and gave his life as a ransom for many that with clean hearts we might be prepared to joyfully to celebrate the paschal feast in sincerity and truth and therefore with angels and with archangels and with all the company of heaven we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of heart and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. O Hosanna, O Hosanna, O Hosanna in the Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have had mercy on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood upon the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and to drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth, to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us, to you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Lamb of God, you take away.
and the source of all goodness, who in loving kindness sent your only begotten Son into the flesh. We thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. And we ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled constantly to serve you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Proceed now the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious on you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.